Alright, Deuteronomy chapter 6 is where we're going to begin. Look at verse 10. It says, And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and wells digged which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full... And I want to stop right there because right there what we see, it reminds me a lot of our nation right now. Our nation, you know, we have a, a great history and it's, uh, we have a lot of great prosperity in this country. And it was built on the backs of a lot of great people, a lot of pioneers that went and, you know, explored these lands, that cleared these lands. And the truth is, most of us, we're living in houses that we didn't build. You know, we're eating from fields we didn't plant and we've just had good our whole life life's pretty easy for us as americans today is it not i mean we have we literally have to build gymnasiums and things and and build machines to get us to go do physical stuff so we can lose weight i mean that's how easy we have it and we could go on and on i'll probably say more about that as we go but you know that's good that's wonderful that's a blessing we should that should make us very thankful but, you know, God, just like he told Israel, I'm going to do all this for you. But, you know, there's something you've you got to watch out for. When things get that good, there's a danger. And he says, then beware, lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Now, understand the generation that eventually came along and forgot all these things. They were not the generation that came out of Egypt. It was a new generation, the generation that ended up doing this very thing. They weren't there in Egypt, but as a people, they forgot. And I will go as far as to say in America, obviously, we didn't fight the Revolutionary War. Okay, you know, we didn't fight the Civil War. We didn't fight World War One and uh, World War Two. Uh, only a couple of us or even or maybe one of us were even around for some of that stuff. <laughs> Not pointing any fingers. But at the same time, you know, at the same time, we have forgotten it, haven't we? There's a lot that we have forgotten as a nation. Our nation has forgotten where we came from. Our nation has, is enjoying great prosperity that it did not always have. And as a result of that, we have forgotten God. And what a shame that is. And you know, when we talk about why we're not thankful today, and as I start preparing this message, like, oh good, it's a Thanksgiving message. This is going to be, you know, that's usually a lighthearted, you know, happy sermon. But, you know, I thought I started thinking, you know, I want I was looking into some scriptures about why people aren't thankful. And as I started studying, all of a sudden, I'm like, man, this message is going to get a little depressing. This message is going to get a little dark for a Thanksgiving message. But I do think we need to address these things because this is just the reality. It's an ugly truth. So, you know, if you were looking for a feel good Thanksgiving message today, this isn't really going to be a feel good Thanksgiving message today. But I am going to preach the truth. And hopefully it will make you be good. And it might not make you feel good, though. So, um, first off, though, you know, we are, we're celebrating Thanksgiving this week. And I, w- I do want to say a little bit about the tradition of celebrating um, the holiday of Thanksgiving. I think, first off, I think it's a great thing. I think it's a great idea to have something like that. Uh, this dates back to the early history of the Pl- uh, Plymouth and Massachusetts Bay colonies. Uh, I'll read a few things about it when... Post-harvest holidays were separated on the weekday, regularly set aside as lecture day, a midweek church meeting where topical sermons were presented. A famous Thanksgiving observance occurred in the autumn of 1621 when Plymouth Governor 
William Bradford invited local members of the Wampanoag tribe to join the pilgrims in a festival held in gratitude for the bounty of the season. And some of the stuff I'm going to read to you too, I'm just going to let you know the source. I, I used to listen to Rush Limbaugh a lot back in the day. And every Thanksgiving, he would go through the story, the real story of Thanksgiving. I'm going to, I'm going to hit a few highlights from there. Uh, right there, that triggers a lot of people. That you know, I would use that as a source. But uh, you know, he was right 98.7% of the time, I think, is what he always said. And he did it with half his brain tied behind his back. So we know it's probably true. We know it's probably true. If you've never listened to Rush Limbaugh, you have no idea what I just said right there. Okay, but I'm being somewhat sarcastic. But Thanksgiving became an a- annual custom throughout New England in the 17th century. And in 1777, the Continental Congress declared the first national American Thanksgiving following the Patriot victory at Saratoga. In 1789, President George Washington became the first president to proclaim a Thanksgiving holiday. When at the request of Congress, he proclaimed November 26th, a Thursday, a day of national Thanksgiving for the U.S. Constitution. However, it was not until 1863 when Abraham Lincoln declared Thanksgiving to officially fall on the last Thursday of November Uh, that the modern holiday was celebrated nationally. The history of Thanksgiving is, of course, another part of our history that has been hijacked by the woke culture, as is anything associated with Indians at all. As soon as Indians become a part of the story, it's going to get revised, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to get revised. Have you ever noticed they don't make cowboy and Indian movies anymore? You know why? Because they can't. Somebody will get offended. And they will get in trouble. And a lot of people are trying to tell us, too, that the first Thanksgiving was about the pilgrims giving thanks to the Indians instead of God, which isn't true. Even though I, I you know, and I'm not, we're not going to go into great detail on the story of the first Thanksgiving, but the Indians were a major blessing and a major part of the survival of the pilgrims during that time. There's no doubt about it. But the pilgrims, you know, they knew to thank God, you know, for these things. And I'm sure they were thankful to the Indians, too. But... Uh, this, this portion I'm going to read here, this is from uh, one thing Rush Limbaugh would always do every year. But it says, The previous winter before the first Thanksgiving was an extremely difficult one where they barely survived. It is true that the Indians greatly helped the pilgrims, and they probably wouldn't have survived if it hadn't been for all the help they gave them. The thing that no one wants to talk about is why things were so bad in Plymouth. They had tried socialism, and it had failed them. Half of them starved to death, including Bradford's own wife. That is what nobody talks about when it comes to the first Thanksgiving. When they originally set things up there, they tried socialism. The original contract the pilgrims entered into in Holland, they had sponsors. They, They didn't have the money to do this trip on their own. They had sponsors. They were merchant sponsors in London and in Holland. And these merchant sponsors demanded that everything that the pilgrims produced in the new world would go into a common store, a single bank, if you will, and that each member of the pilgrim community was entitled to one share. So everybody had an equal share of whatever was in that bank. All of the land they cleared, all of the houses they built belonged to that bank, to the community as well. And they were going to distribute it equally because they were going to be fair. So all the land they cleared and all the houses they built belonged to everybody belonged to the community, belonged to the bank, belonged to the common store. Nobody owned anything. They just had an equal share. It was a commune. Now, here's what Bradford wrote about this failure. 
He said, for the community, so far as it was, was found to breed much confusion and discontent. And so in other words, they weren't happy. He said, this community was found to breed much confusion and discontent and retard much employment that would have been to their benefit and comfort. So after the failure of this experiment, they ended up giving everyone their own land to do whatever they wanted to do with. And then things exploded and became so prosperous that when the old world found out what was going on, they started coming to this new world in droves. So when the pilgrims arrived, Bradford, he originally described the land as, in his diary, as just a cold, barren wilderness. But yet, at the same time, remember how, you know, look at what we have today. It went from a wilderness, but folks, it didn't come that way from communism. They almost died right in the beginning from socialism, from everybody sharing everything, from everybody having an equal share. And all it did is it made people unhappy. It made them discontent. It made them lazy. It, it hurt the, you know, pr- the potential success and prosperity they, they could have had. And so Bradford, you know, he did. He said it bred much uh, confusion and discontent. And so what we can really learn from the first Thanksgiving, if you actually study the history, is that, that you know, communism doesn't work. Now, you wonder why they're updating that in the public schools? You wonder why it's politically incorrect to even talk about these things in the public schools? Because they don't want people understanding this. And the truth is, what Bradford ended up figuring out, what the pilgrims ended up figuring out, is really what the Bible has always taught. The Bible has always, uh, you know, has never taught this attitude of just everybody having an equal share in everything. It has always been down on being lazy. And I could, I could spend an entire sermon today talking about generosity and sharing and helping those in need. And there's a ton of scripture on that. And, and during this time of year, we hear a lot about sharing, a lot about giving. Some of you all are going to start giving tips to the cashiers at Subway when they ask for a tip because it's the holiday season, you're supposed to be generous. Anybody getting tired of them just asking for money every time you go buy anything? And you go to the gas station, they always want you to round up the next dollar to give to veterans or something that we're you know, all supposed to be for. And even if I'm for it, I'm like, I want a soda. If I want to make a donation to a veteran, I'll go make a donation to a veteran. I'll go find one that I know personally and I'll give him the two cents. They wanted me to round it up this morning to two cents $20. I said, no, listen, we've got enough veterans around here. If I want to give two cents to a veteran, I'll give one to one I know personally and they won't care. <laughs> but, but anyway, you know, so the thing is we're going to hear all that, but you know, we, the problem we have in our country today, the reason there's so much depression today, the reason there is so much unthankfulness today is because we have bred a lot of discontent and confusion Because of our socialist path that we're going down, we are not making people happier by giving them everything. It's not happening. And the the truth is that, you know, there was a time when if you were lazy, if you were good for nothing, this land, it would kill you. I mean, if you were just weak, the land would kill you. Now, thank God that, you know, we have things to help keep us from getting killed. Okay, I'm thankful for that. But at the same time, mankind was never intended to be lazy and just good for nothings. 
and it never makes people happy. And we've got an attitude in this country, we just keep giving people stuff, we just keep giving people money, then everything's going to be fine. Folks, we are giving people more than ever, and yet look at mental health. It's getting worse and worse. We have the saddest generation, the Gen Z, is that what they call them, the saddest generation, uh, is one of the titles they have for them, and they've been handed everything. And it, I'm telling you, it doesn't work. And the, the truth is, said God saw these things way before America figured it out. They figured it out back then. You know what? Instead of everybody having an equal share that's making people lazy, let's just give people land and let it be theirs and let them do what they want to with it. And you know, when they did that, things were prosperous. Things exploded. And let me tell you something too. You know, this attitude of, or this idea of land ownership and things, it's not an American concept. It's a biblical concept. I, mean, I, could, I couldn't believe when I heard a Baptist preacher say that that's an American concept and it's not biblical. I was like, have you ever read the Bible? Have you ever read the Old Testament? That was the kind of thing I expect to hear with a, in a church with a rainbow flag in the front of it. I'm like, are you kidding me? But folks, they figure, America, you know, they figured out a lot of these things. Some of it maybe from the Bible. Some of it from testing other things. But the Bible's very clear on this. We're going to look at some scriptures. But first off, we need to understand God created man to work. You want to know why we have so many unhappy people in our country today? You want to know why I have so many unthankful people? Because they're not working. And folks, they're not working, but they're not unthankful because they don't have enough to eat. They're not unthankful because they're not sheltered and because they're not warm. Folks, they're, they're unthankful, they're sad, they're miserable because they're not working. We see in Genesis 2.15, this is before the fall. This is before the curse. It says, And the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. God gave Adam a job. First thing Adam got was a job. And guess what, guys? Adam got a job before he got a wife. I think, you know, I think, you know, dads, I think that's okay to require some guy who wants to pursue your daughter. Find out if he has a job first. Don't find out if he has an income first. Well, I got mental disability coming in, you know, it's like, no, do you have a job? Okay. Do you, do you have something to do? What are you doing to keep yourself busy? What are you doing to produce something, to accomplish something? What are you doing? with yourself. I don't think that's asking too much. And we see that God did. Man needs something productive to do. It's how we are wired. If we are not doing anything, we are not going to be happy. I talk, I, I, and this has happened on multiple occasions. We've had people that have come through here that have been miserable, that have been unhappy, that have talked about their mental health issues. They've talked about all their anxiety problems and all these different things they've had. And then I dare tell them, I dare tell these guys, have you thought about getting a job? they don't have a job you know some of you all you think you're stressed because of your job and you know what you probably do have stress because of your job jobs can be stressful but did you know what you would i believe you'd actually be worse off if you just had no job you know why because because listen men while some of that stuff's not fun and it's annoying you know what we need challenges men we we are wired to be challenged and we and to overcome those things and we do. There's all kinds of junk that everybody has to deal with on their job. Everybody dreams of just, you know, lying out on a beach somewhere and just doing nothing but eating and enjoying the sun and the water and the sand between your toes and all that kind of stuff. But you know what? Even that would eventually make you miserable. And you know what? Go to these places. You know, go out to some of these beach areas where there's all these homeless people that don't have anything to do. And you know what? Not only are they well fed, but they're also miserable. 
and are ODing on drugs all the time. You know, it doesn't make them happy. Man needs work to do. And I'm telling you, our country, we are not helping people by just giving people, giving everything. You know, and, act, and talking about all these entitlements. And we are, and, we're, and then, you know, they're giving out all these stimuluses. And folks, the welfare has gone off the charts in the last couple of years. I mean, and, and, you know, don't get me wrong, we got a ton of welfare, uh, you know, during all the stimulus and all that stuff. And that's what it was. It was welfare. And we took it. And you know what? It wasn't enough. <laughs> you know, and they can't give enough. But, you know, the truth is, it's not their job to even do it. And they can give me another stimulus check, and I'll spend it just like that. But it, it's not, it's not going to help. These things are not how these things need to be. Are, you know, we are meant to work. Women, too. You know, God made women for very special work. Okay? And it's not the same as man work. Okay? You know, ladies, I don't think you ought to be working out on, you know, oil rigs and, you know, under cars and, uh, you know, doing all, the, you know, a lot of the stuff that men do. Okay. You know, I'd, I, you know, I'd feel bad if I saw your wife out bailing hay on the farm and, you know, wrangling cattle and all that kind of stuff. I mean, bless her heart if she can do that. But the truth is, women, you need something to do too. You need something to keep you busy. And I don't really need to say much about this because I see busyness running all over the place around here. And let me, and, and listen, they stress you out. They, they drive you crazy. All right. I mean, I'm not even going to ask how many women have had emotional meltdowns, you know, in the last week. I mean, you know, if, if, you know you're going to have those things. But let me tell you something, ladies. I've been pastoring for a long time. Some of the craziest women I've ever known are ones who don't have kids. Some of the listen, we had a we had a lady one time. She called me up begging me to have my wife come sit with her in her house. We had five, five or six kids at the time. I think five. And I'm like, she can't. She has five kids to take care of. She has me to take care of. But she would get so, every evening, she would just get so stressed, so anxious. And while she's like telling me, and she's like starting to cry, she literally started screaming on the phone. And I didn't send my wife over there. And, and, I, you know, and I remember we were talking about it. It's like, what does she have to be stressed out about? She doesn't have a job. She doesn't have any kids. She doesn't have, or she doesn't have any living at home. She doesn't have any, a husband to take care of or anything like that. What does she have to be stressed out about? But let me tell you, never, I've never met a more stressed out, crazy person. You know why? Because women aren't wired to just be alone doing nothing. Okay? Especially, especially younger women. Okay? Except eventually we're all going to get older. And yeah, when you, when you get to a certain age, you know, you don't have to do all that physical stuff anymore. But that's why in 1 Thessalonians 5.13, when it was talking about taking in widows, they could take them in if they were over a certain age. But he says the younger refused. He says, and with all, why? Because with all, they learned to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also in busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. And folks... We've all been to church with women like that. They're the most miserable ones in the, in the world. And so what was the solution? That they get a husband. That they bear children. That was the solution to these things. They need something productive to do. And folks, there is no greater job than just raising kids, taking care of kids. It is a wonderful thing. And so we see God did. God created man to work. So he said, I will therefore 
that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully, for some have already turned aside after Satan. And so listen, when men and women get idle, we all get in trouble. Okay, what is it that happens with teenagers a lot of times when they're younger? They have too much time on their hands. You know, they get, they get around a bunch of other teenagers, and what happens? They get bored, and then they get in trouble. And let me tell you, you know, your boys, when they get to a certain age, you need to keep them busy. Okay? When they get to a certain age, you know, school's not going to keep them busy enough. They need to get a job, too. You've got to do something to wear them out. You have to do that. And even, even when they're little, you have to do something to wear your kids out. You, you just need to do that and plop them in front of video games 24-7. That's not going to cut it. That's not going to do it. Boys especially, they are wired to do physical things and to be crazy and to throw stuff and, and, you know, and break things. And so you've got you to gotta send them outside and let them do that stuff. You've got to let them dig holes. You've got to let them hunt animals. You've got to let them create weapons. And, you know, all, all these things. I, I, I used to, I was thinking about this the other day. I used to spend hours. I always wanted to get a knife that I could throw. I always wanted to be able to, like, throw knives and things. And I remember I had, I, you know, I didn't have one I could use. I went and I found a chisel. It was, like a, it was like an old metal rusty chisel that I dug up. And we had this, one of these grinders in our garage, an electric grinder. And I decided I was going to, like, sand that thing down where it was like a knife and it would be sharp. So I, could throw. I spent hours and hours on that thing, just grinding that thing down to where it was sharp so I could just throw it and stick it into things, you know, and feel awesome doing it. And it never had the right balance, never worked. But you know what? That kept me busy for hours and hours. That, that, that kind of thing kept me busy. I mean, I'm thankful I grew up living on a farmhouse. And I would get in trouble sometimes. We had a cow pasture. I went out there one time. We had a great big hole out there where there was this uh, drain tile for the field and I used to plug it up I had a little stool I'd tie a rope around there I'd plug that hole up and then the water would all fill up and then I'd pull the stool out and it would create a big whirlpool and that was just awesome well we had a bunch of rain and a bunch of farmers they figured out or they started wondering why the field wasn't draining like it should and they like came out there one time and found that thing and then they came to the house wanting to talk to me and I admitted to doing it and they there was like I'm not kidding, there was like eight of them. And they chewed me out and like were talking about how they could sue me and stuff. I never did that again. <laughs> but, so I would get in trouble sometimes. But uh, at the same time, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade. That, that traumatized me pretty good. I never went in that cow pasture again. Never. We moved from there not that long after that and I hoped those farmers would never find me. And I was always wondering about statute of limitations and stuff because I knew, I knew eventually they wouldn't be able to sue me. And, but uh, anyway... You know, and listen, your boys are going to, stuff like that's going to happen. And you, let me tell you, parents, when your boys do stuff like that, you know, when they break things and just, you know, do destructive things, they break their arm, always remember there's worse things that can happen to them. They can turn into one of these soy boys that hang out at Starbucks all the time, you know, tweeting about how oppressive the government is and how they need more welfare. Okay, I would rather my boys be getting in the kind of trouble I got into. I would rather them be trying to make knives that they can throw in trees and stuff like that. There's so many worse things that can happen. But either way, we do, we've got to be busy. You get idle, you get in trouble. So throughout the Bible, we see that when things got good, people would. They would forget God. The first passage we looked at, Deuteronomy, 
He said, beware lest you forget when you're living in houses that you didn't build. And why did he say it that way? You know why? Because when you don't build it, you don't appreciate it as much. You don't appreciate the work that it went into it. And, and, that, and you know, I used to be involved in home preservation and things, and it always bothered me to see what renters would often do to the homes that they lived in. And listen, there's nothing wrong with renting a house. I've rented houses for years in my life. But you know what I didn't do? I didn't go trashing the place. And, you know, but people do that because they don't own it, so they don't care. You know, I just won't get my you know $1,000 deposit back. But, you know, and they, they know they've done more than $1,000 worth of damage. But, folks, we need to appreciate what we have. You want to know why a lot of these neighborhoods are falling apart? Because a lot of these houses are owned by slumlords, and, they're, and people living in them don't give a rip about the place. They're letting the place fall apart. They're letting it deteriorate, and it's just bringing the whole neighborhood down. And it's a shame when that kind of thing happens. People need, people need to have their own property so they will take care of it, so they will appreciate it. And if we, wanted, if we wanted to improve Rock Falls, the last thing we should just do is give everybody free rent. You know, it would be better if everybody was owning their houses and, you know, and appreciating what they have, and then they might actually start taking care of it. But people don't take care of things that they don't own. And that's why, again, private property, it's better. It's, it's better for everybody when people own things. And so we, we've got to make sure that we appreciate what we have. And if you, because if, when you don't appreciate it, you forget. And we must always be consistent and diligent in our worship and service for God. Remember last week's message, talking about being instant, in season, out of season. As Christians, we have to make an effort. We have to have the wisdom to make the effort to remind ourselves of God and to remind ourselves of what he's done for us to remind ourselves of where we came from and how things used to be. Otherwise we're going to forget. We can forget about our salvation. We can forget what God saved us out of. We can forget why we are where we are at today. And when that kind of thing happens, it's bad. And it is, it's worse for people who just had it handed to them. That's why we're seeing so many people in my generation who grew up in the IFB throwing it all away. You know why they don't appreciate what they have. They didn't come out of the things of the world. They didn't have all the baggage a lot that their parents carried over with them. They don't realize how challenging it was for them to say no to the things of this world. You know, and maybe their parents did get a little overboard with some of their rules and things. You know, maybe they were a little too extreme when they're like, we're not going anywhere near alcohol. We're not even going to rest when it serves alcohol. But maybe it's because they used to struggle with alcohol. You know, you and I, we think, well, that's kind of excessive. But that's because we've been blessed to never have struggled with that stuff. And that's a blessing. But you know what? It's in my generation, instead of them saying, thank God, I haven't had to deal with that. You know what they're saying? Eh, I think it is okay to drink. As long as it's in moderation. And it always starts with wine. It always starts with wine because after all, Jesus turned the water into wine, right? And wine can't mean grape juice. Otherwise, the King James Bible would have said grape juice if you asked them. And you know what? As soon as they start drinking wine, it never stays there. Eventually, it's whiskey. It, I mean, it always. Because the thing is, if you're going to justify drinking wine, then wh- why wouldn't the rest of the stuff be wrong too? And you know what? They, they always are eventually on the hard liquor. It's just it's the way it always goes. And you know what? You know what happens? They forget. You know what happens? They weren't thankful. And when we forget God, the path is always the same. In Romans 1, 21 says that when they knew not when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise, they became 
fools. And so notice, they didn't glorify him as God and they weren't thankful. And as a result, they went down a path where they just started giving their flesh everything it wanted. See, those of us who are remembering God, those of us who remember what he saved us from, we understand we do need to regulate ourselves. Uh, you know, those of us who appreciate what God did for us, the fact that Jesus had to die and pay for our sins, we don't, we can't enjoy taking advantage of the grace of God. We, we can't feel good to just go out and knowingly, willfully do something that is offensive to a holy God. We can't, we can't enjoy that kind of thing. But we, but you know what? If we forget God, then if we're, then it's not about pleasing him. It's going to be about pleasing our flesh. And if you're about pleasing your flesh, it's so predictable where you're going to go with it. You know why? Because it's, it's, it, the flesh, it's all the same. Everybody's flesh is always the same. Just like we can predict what will happen to this battery if I drop it, it's just going to fall. Why? Because gravity always pushes it down. You know, it's the same thing too. You give your life over to the things of the flesh. You know where it's going? Perversion. Going to all these things that it talked about in Romans chapter 1. That's where it's going every time. And folks, it starts when we forget God. And when you forget God, the first thing that's going to happen is you're not thankful. And imagine living in a country where we do have freedom for the most part, where we do have heat for the winter, we have air conditioning, we have all this technology, we have cars, we have an abundance of food, and yet people aren't thankful. People are miserable. People are, you know, something, Thanksgiving, something, you know, you can get up in church. What you know, if, raise your hand if you have something you want to say you're thankful for. And people are. We do that here all the time. Got a prayer, you know, got prayer requests. <laughs> Pray that I get more of what God's already given me because I'm not thankful for what I got. You know, ask for a praise every time. Why? It's just, you know, it, it's our flesh. You know what? May, if, and if we would start remembering God instead of thinking about our flesh, we'd be like, man, we've got a lot to be thankful for. I'm not in hell with my back broke. So I, I have something to be thankful for. And so today we're living in a prosperous time in a world where people are pretty much doing whatever their flesh wants, yet we are producing the most depressed and mentally unstable generation that has ever lived. And what we must understand is we cannot help people by giving them more of what's caused them to forget God. You know, God said, when you're in houses that you didn't build, all these things that you didn't do, you're, beware lest you forget. We've got bums out there and we think we're going to make them happier by just giving them food that they didn't work for, giving them money they didn't earn. You know, we think that's going to make them happier. We think that's going to solve their problems. It's not going to solve their problems. So, and the, so the Bible is very clear, though. I want you to understand this. And the, we've got to learn to distinguish these things. The Bible is very clear. And this is where it gets a little dark, and I'm not trying to get dark. This is just Bible, okay? But the Bible is very clear. We should take care of the elderly. We should take care of widows. We should take care of orphans. And yes, the poor, people who have fallen on hard times. Okay? Not people who have chosen to give their lives to the things of the flesh and drugs and refuse to work. There's a difference. There was a time when people were poor because they, you know, their crops didn't make it. You know, there was a time they were poor because their houses and their barns or something they built burnt down. And everything they had was destroyed. They, were, they weren't poor because they were lazy. They were poor because they fell on hard times. Or maybe because they had an injury, because they were wounded. And I, do, I believe we should help the weak. And, we, uh, and so 
There are people we are supposed to help, but we were never commanded to take care of the lazy. Second Thessalonians 3.10 says, For even when we were with you, this we command you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. And, I, and I'm, going to have, I'm just going to read through a bunch of these verses. I'm going to have a tough time not preaching a sermon about each one. But this is, this is what the Bible says about lazy good-for-nothings. Proverbs 13.4, The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. Proverbs 20, verse 4, The sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. Therefore shall he beg and harvest and have nothing. I'm tired of people who have every excuse in the world to not go work. I mean, the littlest thing will keep them out of work. They get snowed in when we had a dusting out there. You know, they get leafed in during the fall. And they, you know, they get sunned in during the summer. I mean, it's, it's that bad. Proverbs 12, 24, The hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the slothful shall be under tribute. Do we really want to put the lazy people in charge of things? No, they're the ones under tribute. He also that is slothful in his work is a brother to him that is a great waster. Listen, you go to these, you go to these houses where they're getting all the food bank food, they throw away half of it or more. They don't care. They didn't pay for it. They didn't earn it. The slothful man saith, there is a lion in the way, a lion in the streets, making excuses. Proverbs twenty six fourteen: as the door turneth upon his hinges... So doth the slothful upon his bed. The slothful hideth his hand in his bosom. It grieveth him to bring it again to his mouth. They fake disabilities because they don't want to take care of themselves. They turn on their bed like a door on a hinge. What is They can't even sleep. You know why they're struggling to sleep? Because they haven't done anything. They, listen, you go work as hard as a lot of men do. They don't have trouble. You know, when you put in a hard day's work, you don't have trouble sleeping. It's... When you've been lazy, when you've been doing nothing. And so I do, I believe we should help the disabled. But then that brings up the question, what about the mentally disabled? And listen, if somebody is mentally incapable of something, you know, I don't think we should just go demanding all these things from them. But the problem is today, because we've made that an exception, now everyone's got a mental disability. Everyone's mentally disabled now. And... It's, it's just amazing, you know, and, and a lot of times, well, I have anxiety. Well, you know what? I mean, I used to get pretty anxious when I would go to bed at night thinking, I have to get up at 2.30 in the morning. You know, I mean, I, there's a lot of things that make me anxious. Uh, there's the things that I don't want to do. Things that you just have to do. It, it, yeah, it causes anxiety. You know what I don't get to do? No, just quit and do nothing. So, so anxiety is a mental disability? Well, then you know what? I am crazy. Because sometimes I do get a little anxious thinking about stuff. You know, when you get some of the phone calls you get and things you have to deal with, sometimes the pastor is just like, yeah, you do. You get a little nervous. You get a little anxious. I didn't know I could just get a, I could get a check from the government from that. But you know what? That, folks, it's ridiculous. And so, I'm, listen, I'm not trying to be politically incorrect here. But, you know, here's just the harsh truth, okay? Whenever we fail to follow the laws of God, you know what ends up happening? The planet typically has a way of taking care of things for us. Okay? But the problem is, whenever the planet takes care of things, it usually takes a lot of innocence out with it. Now, what am I talking about? Well, in Deuteronomy 21, in verse 18, so we're not going to turn over there, but you all know the passage in Leviticus where it's talking about all the abominations, talking about homosexuality and things. And it says, the land itself vomiteth out the inhabitants. Okay? Now, what is that? It's called STDs. Okay? 
That's the land vomiting out the inhabitants. Now, the problem with the, the diseases that come from perversion and wickedness like that is you do. Sometimes innocent people get it too. You know, if some homo goes and molests some little kid, a lot of times they can give him a disease. That kid's now got this terrible disease and, uh, you know, obviously they didn't do anything wrong. But because society didn't deal with a pervert, now innocent people are getting these diseases. And you know what? The land's going to probably vomit that poor child out because of the disgusting disease he picked up from the pervert. So again, God instituted man to deal with certain crimes and certain things. And when we don't do it, eventually they're going to get what's coming to them, but innocent people are going to be taken out with them. And so we do. We've got a lot of disease in this country today. More and more when you hear the statistics on STDs and a lot of these different things, it's insane. It's like, why is it so bad when we've got all the things at our disposal today to keep, thing, keep us clean and sanitary? It's because we're promoting perversion. And we're not punishing any of that. And so it's bad. But, you know, we're talking mainly about the laziness thing. Okay? Because it does. It makes people miserable. It makes them unhappy. And in Deuteronomy 21, 18, it says, If a man have a stubborn and rebellious son, which will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and that when they have chastened him, will not hearken unto them, then shall his father and mother lay hold on him, bring him out into the elders of the city and unto the gates of his place, and they shall say unto the elders of the, his city, this our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. And all the men of the city shall stone him with stones that he die. So shalt thou put evil away from among you. And all Israel shall hear and fear. And people get so offended by this, by this passage today. But the Bible saying, listen, when you've got that guy, I mean, he is. You've got, you've got an able-bodied man who is capable of working, but he's a good for nothing. He won't go to work. He's not helping on the farm. He's a glutton and a drunkard. He's just eating everything, not producing anything. Parents have beat him. They have, it's not helped. It's not doing anything. You know what they do? They bring him to the elders of the city and they stone him. Why? It says to put evil away from among you. You know why? Because that type, being lazy and good for nothing and a glutton and a drunkard is evil. It is evil, and not only, and, he, and that kind of evil, folks, it spreads. And that's what happened in the, 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 in the 1600s in Plymouth. You had people being lazy. And uh, because other people had to deal with it, it just made them be lazy too. It didn't make them work harder. It made everybody work less. And as a result, half the people died as, as a result of that. And so what we've got to understand is today... Here's what we're up against. This is what's happening in our country, why we've got so much insanity going on in this country right now and so much misery when we have so much prosperity, when we have so much technology. Because think about it. Back then, people just wanted to be warm. They just wanted to be fed during that winter. But now, we want to be warm, fed, entertained, and we want to be well-fed. I mean, we, you know, we want... I mean, folks, this year... People are going to be calling the church, ask for money because they you know, feel bad because they can't afford to buy their kids iPads for Christmas. We get those calls. It, you know, and you know, I don't know what to say about that. But listen, technology has made survival very easy today, even for pathetic, lazy, good-for-nothing, evil people. And you know, what technology has done, it's kind of had a negative side effect because technology, it's like a medication we can feed 
the land to prevent it from vomiting out its inhabitants. Okay, because again, Leviticus 18, 30 we're not going to read it, talks about all these things that will cause the land to vomit out its inhabitants. Did you know when your body is sick, sometimes it needs to throw up? But you know, typically, what, what do we do today when we have any kind of sickness? We take a pill to cover up a symptom. And the thing is, that's not always good. Sometimes we need to fix the problem. If I break my leg, I shouldn't just take painkillers. So it's not bothering. I need to get my leg reset. I need to get it fixed. I need it to heal. Okay? I don't just need to keep taking pain pills so I don't notice the pain. Otherwise, I'm going to have a greater problem. So today, we have so many lazy people that at one time, the planet would have just take, took, taken them all out. Okay? That what we have today now is we've got a massive number of these people and they're miserable, they're crazy, and the evil is abounding with them. Now, here's the thing. You're saying, oh, you, you're, you're just, you wish half this country would have died. No, here's what would happen to most lazy people if they actually had to get cold and had to get hungry. They would just get busy. Okay? Mo- Listen, this stubborn and rebellious son situation, that wouldn't happen very often if we actually did things right. It would be very rare. But you know what? In our country... People can. They can just keep being lazy. And, folks, it's not making them happier. They're committing suicide like crazy. You know, they're getting it. You know, more and more people are getting involved in all this Internet junk. I mean, we've got we've got people today that have virtual girlfriends. I just don't even know what to say about that. You know, in, in, in places like Japan, they're, they're paying women to go visit these guys to try to get them to come out of their apartments. Folks, you know how messed up that is? A guy who's so pathetic he won't leave his apartment, you know, should die in the wintertime. You know, he should die of starvation. But there's so much socialism and stuff that it's all being given to him and handed to him. But here's, here's the thing about that. They're still miserable. They're so miserable. They're so unhappy. And I'm telling you, parents, don't ever feel bad because you couldn't give your kids everything that they ever wanted. It's probably the best thing that ever could have happened to them. You know what? Don't feel bad if your kids have to work for some things where everyone else is having it handed to them. Because you know what? They're actually getting some character. And you know what? They're going to be happy than little Lord Fauntleroy, whose mom gives them everything he asked for. They're going to be more happy than him. He's going to be spoiled. He's going to be miserable. He's going to be threatened to commit suicide because they're not going to buy him a Ferrari or something like that. I'm telling you, he's, you know, where your kid will be thrilled that, you know, you co-signed on a $2,000 car that he had to get a loan for. You know, I mean, he'll, he'll be thankful for it. And he'll will enjoy it. And he'll appreciate his car. But people have these things given. They don't appreciate it. They're not happy. And so our protection of the lazy and the wicked, it's only making laziness and wickedness spread in this country. And you can only mask the symptoms for so long before the sickness just fully takes over. Sometimes we need to vomit. Sometimes, sometimes I think, you know what? The grid does need to go down for a while so the land can vomit. But, you know, and, and I, don't want, I don't want that to happen because there are. You do have the innocents. You have the weak and, you know, the people who, uh, you know, can't take care of themselves, not through any fault of their own. But at the same time, if there was some way we could just vomit what needed to be vomited, you know, that would be, that would be the way to go. But either way, the Bible in history has proven we are doing everything wrong in this country when it comes to producing a society that is thankful and happy. 
And I do. I want my kids to be thankful. And they won't be if all I do is give them everything without them ever working or struggling for something. We need struggles. We need hard times. I mean, our kids all the time. I say it with our kids all the time. It's a hard life. To Hannah and Kelly, we're always talking about their hard life. Hannah just had her second birthday, and we were talking about what a rough two years she's had. You know, we talk that way all the time. We're obviously being funny, but the truth is that, you know, two-year-old's lives are pretty easy. You know, they don't think they are, but they are really easy. And you know what, parents, let them go through some hard times. Let them see. Let them let them deal with the crisis of watching one of their older siblings get to do something that they're not allowed to do. That's not fair. Well, it's a great lesson for them to learn. If you, if, you make them, if you make the older kids have to do the same thing that the two-year-old does, that two-year-old's going to grow up thinking they should have the same income as everyone else, even when they're not working and doing anything. Yeah, we've got, you, got, I mean, you have different rules for different kids. Yeah, you know why? Because they're different kids with different ages. Yeah, I have different rules for our 21-year-old than our two-year-old. <laughs> and you know, I don't have that many rules for the 21-year-old. I mean... It's not even in the house right now. So, you know, you know, either way, some of this stuff's common sense, but I just, I, it's heartbreaking to just see how miserable our country is and how we're doing everything wrong to fix it. And, and I know this is, not, you know, not a happy thing, but you know what? If you have struggles, you know, you're the one that's going to actually appreciate what you have and actually be thankful. And, and that's uh, so important that we keep a thankful spirit when, we, when we're not thankful. Listen, if you're not thankful right now, you need to understand you do have a spiritual problem and you need to get it right. You need to figure out why you are not thankful. And I, I'm going to tell you right now, you are not unthankful right now because of your circumstances. Okay? That's a lie. Okay? That you are not unthankful because of your circumstances. I get it. It's cold. It's cold out right now. Okay? You weren't thankful in the summer either. Okay? You weren't thankful when it was 72 degrees out. Okay? And, oh, you know, it's the holiday season and the financial struggles. You weren't thankful after you got your tax return. Okay? Okay? Thankfulness, it is a, it's a spiritual thing. And you can be thankful in any state, in any, in any situation. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, pray this message was a help to everybody. And Lord, I pray you'll help us. Uh, Lord, while... Our world is messed up and our country is just doing absolutely everything wrong and just destroying the lives of so many people. I pray, Lord, you'll help us to have the wisdom and the character to do the right thing and to raise our kids the right way. And I pray you'll help us to just be successful in um, raising up a generation that does appreciate what they have and that are thankful. In your name we pray. Amen.